Hello, hello, welcome to the Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Sorry about your dead human friend, Phillips. What kind of movie stars the Muppets, but there's absolutely no way you'd take your kids? Well, it's called Happy Time Murders. What was that? I think this is how we get Katie back. Remember being a teenager and hearing about a boogie monster and going to find it but getting bored and going home because he doesn't exist? Well, what if he did? That is Slender Man. Who still says get laid? No, 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 no. I am not going to let us become those people. What people are you talking about? You know what people. It's the film about the women that read the book. But the book is Fifty Shades of Grey and the women are Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergman. It's the book club. That's this week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Hello, my name is Kyron Wheatley and Vari McIntyre. Hello. And Michael Campbell. Hello. And I are here to sift through new releases before they've been released. We've got your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass a little later on, but first... We're going to catch the bastards who did these murders. Because bodies are going to start piling up. You're one of the best damn cops I've ever seen. I'll have your badge for this. I'm in the fucking FBI. Oh yeah, what's that stand for? Fucking big idiot? <laughs> A few years back, Avenue Q took the world by storm, right? It was puppets doing a musical, toured everywhere, and they were singing the kind of smutty songs that you don't normally see coming from the mouths of puppets or the hands of puppeteers. But regard, it was hilarious. It was so funny. There's just something hilarious about puppets swearing. I don't know what it is. And Happy Time Murders seems like the film version of that premise, puppets doing adult things. But what's it about? Yeah, well, the tagline is sex puppets murder. So like that's pretty much all you need to know about this one. It's a murder mystery comedy set in a world where humans and puppets coexist, but puppets are treated as second-class citizens. And the cast of an 80s children's TV show called Happy Time Gang, which was predominantly puppets, there was one human in it, starts to get murdered one by one. This PI, who's the brother of one of the victims, starts investigating and he gets teamed up with his ex- friend cop, Melissa McCarthy, and they have to investigate. So it's not just puppets, there's like actors in here as well. Yeah, so the cast is mostly human actually. Uh, So we've got Melissa McCarthy who's hilarious, she's the cop. We've got Maya Rudolph who plays the PI's secretary. We've got Joel McHale who's a FBI agent, you might know him from Community. And Elizabeth Banks is in it as well. And Bill Beretta does the yeah he's the puppeteer behind the uh, that's the, the, the word yeah <laughs> and this is one of those classic comedies that is taking a premise it was for kids and it's turning on its head for adults kind of like Ted I guess or even South Park you know mm. little paper animated children with their swearing and their cursing and and this we should just be clear is like not for the faint of heart no it is R rated I believe or at least in America it is yeah in America I think it's only it's M A here. Yeah, okay. Well, so the director is Brian Henson of the Jim Henson family and he wanted to keep the R rating, I guess in America, to make sure no kids would see the film. Yeah. Um, there was no confusion about this is not for children. Please do not take your children even if you see puppets. Yeah. Do a bit of research. So maybe that's why they amped up the filth in this as well because every other line is like a euphemism for sex or drugs. I get the feeling that this is aimed kind of for late teens 
primarily as well. Like people that can now see MA15 films and they're like, oh, that's all the swearing and the sex jokes and stuff like that. That's yeah. very much what this is, like through and through. God, are you all right? I ruptured my hymen. This pure ecstasy. I'm not doing this. Do it. So Bill Beretta plays the puppet P.I. And so he's got that sort of film noir going with um, his dirty office and he's got this femme fatale character who comes in and she's on this unrelated case but it gets all tied up into the murders and everything and, yeah, so you don't – there's a bit of a mystery in there. You don't really know who the killer is and then the big reveal at the end. I wasn't a huge fan of the filth and – and those sort of sexual innuendos it was a little too all the time. It was a lot. <laughs> it so. does go further than you expect it to, I would say. Yeah. There's certain scenes where they really commit to the gross out <laughs> in, in a scene where puppet I pains? guess you would Do you see some puppet pains? No. Oh, no, damn. Not, but the girls maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. You do see puppet genitalia. Right. Yes. Let's put it that way. Did you find the same bizarre lawsuit that I found about this film? There's this really interesting lawsuit going on. So the original tagline before the one you said earlier was, uh, no sesame, all street. And Mm. they were sued by the Sesame Workshop uh, (laughs) that obviously produced Sesame Street because they don't want it to be associated in any way. Fair enough. The difficult thing is that this is being directed by Brian Henson, who is Jim Henson's son. Yeah. who is one of the co-creators of Sesame Street. So they had this kind of like deadlock where the Henson family actually have some control over Sesame Street, yet Sesame Street is suing one of their creator's sons because they're using the intellectual property of Jim Henson. It was this really weird like snake eating its own tail lawsuit mm. where everyone's like, no, but you can't do that. And they're like, no, I can do that because of this. And then say, no, but you can't do that because of this. It just kept going around and around. End up getting thrown out, but they are so proud of it that they actually use it in the marketing now. And there was oh, even a, a poster that said from the studio that was sued by Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that they just leaned into it. You know, they're just like, yeah, absolutely. Sesame Street don't want you to see it. What do you think of yeah. that? Brian Henson's <laughs> been trying to make this film for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. It was in development for almost 10 years, I think. Mm. Because the last thing he directed before this was Muppet Treasure Island. Right. I love that one. Which is obviously like a very kid-friendly film. Yeah. And then he hasn't what, – what was that, maybe 15 years ago, maybe mm. even more? Probably more, yeah. Jeez, yeah. And since then, his next project he'd always wanted to be – he'd done a couple of TV Muppet movies, but he'd always wanted his next project to be The Happy Time Murders. Yeah. And wh- whether or not this current version of it is always what he wanted to do or whether it evolved into this over time, we can't be sure. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird passion project to have, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you really like puppets and that's like your whole family <laughs> shtick. Like. From memory, Jim Henson was always a fan of this idea as well that his sort of characters that he'd made for kids could could be used for adults and, and to make, you know, more dirty, more filthy comedies. Yeah, because there is a long history of like a cross animation with live action. you got like Space Jam, um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and stuff, but they're obviously all aimed at a PG audience. And this is so unique because there hasn't been anything like this, like an animation live action for adults. So they're really tapping into a market of a generation who grew up with those PG films and now are into something more mature. And what I like about this, this is that kind of like being committed 110% thing where you you can say, oh, we're going to make a, a filthy movie about puppets for adults. But the amount of work that goes into that 
just Google some behind the scenes for this movie. Some of the rigs that they had to design are ridiculous for what is kind of a silly joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like puppets swearing and having sex. Yeah. And so many people had to put in so much time and kind of invent rigs to do it. And I for think a dick like, joke. I love when a joke goes that far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it has to be that funny. You do it 10 times in a take and yeah. it's still funny. It's got to be good. That's a lot of commitment at the writing table, isn't it? To have everyone sitting around <laughs> yeah. going, no, this is the best yeah. dick joke we can all think of. Yeah. <laughs> Let's spend two weeks filming it. You two are the most decorated officers in this department. What do you see? Looks like a robbery gone wrong to me. This wasn't a robbery. This was a hit. Welcome. Someone out there <gasps> is killing puppets. Gary. What? Have a little respect for the dead. Miss Lunch. I'd love to see Pixar do an adult movie. Wouldn't that be great? It would be, but they've got the House Ooh. of Mouse. I don't think would ever let that happen. Oh, surely. Disney, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Damn, because I had lots of ideas for Toy Story 5. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Same toys, different positions, that's all. <laughs> so who should see this film? I think, you know, if the basic idea of puppets swearing to you is funny, then see it. If you think it's a bit silly then, you know, lighten up. (laughs) And see it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, push the envelope a bit far, but most of the time I thought it was amusing and I really liked Maya Rudolph, who you might know from Bridesmaids. She Mm. was a really standout performance as well. So if you like those funny actresses and Melissa McCarthy as well, you're going to like it. What the cops ask you? They wanted to know if she ever talked about running away. Check this out. Here is the last site she visited. Slender Man. He preys on innocent youth. It seems like there is a new horror every single week at the moment, but Slender Man taps into that same experience we've all had. You're on school camp, someone tells some crazy story about the local version of Bigfoot and then everyone goes out into the woods with torches looking for him. Or in my case, back to the tent to quietly sit alone in terror. Uh, But Slender Man changes one small part of that story that we've all got and that is that the monster is real. Have you seen this one yet? No, so this actually hasn't been pre-screened. So we, we haven't had a chance to see it. But for those of you that are interested in Slender Man and, and like the legend, the film's about a small town in Massachusetts and a group of friends, they find the Slender Man video online. It's a little bit Ring-esque and they want to disprove it. So they watch the Slender Man video and then one of their friends goes missing and they think it could be Slender Man. So they want to find out why. So is Slender Man, a th- is this just for the film or is it a thing? Is it a trope? So S- Slender Man has become kind of like the millennial version of the boogeyman almost. Like it's taken on a life of its own. But originally you can actually track its origins down. It started in 2009, so almost 10 years ago. Uh, and there was a forum called Something Awful. And they had a Photoshop competition and they said, take this old photograph, make it creepy. So this guy, Eric Knudsen, photoshopped a very slender, creepy man in a suit in the background of all the photos. And people just took this idea and they ran with it. And are you familiar with something called Creepypasta? Yeah. So Creepypasta, yeah. for those of you that don't know what it is, it's like online horror stories and there's forums and all that kind of stuff and it's called Creepypasta. Don't know why, but that's what it's called. Uh, and people just started writing stories and stories about Slenderman. It really caught on. Then there's video games about Slenderman. There were short films about Slenderman. And before long, it just kind of took on a life of its own. Uh, so this movie actually got 
reshot a little bit and recut pretty heavily. Uh, and especially the studio decided to take out a lot of scenes in which violence happens to teenagers. There's some connotations there with this film. Um, so it's it's been pretty heavily re-edited and then remarketed back out into the world. So the the film you're seeing in cinemas now is actually not that similar to the film that was presented in the very first Slenderman trailer. It's evolved a fair bit from when it was first advertised to when it's released now. It's a funny thing, isn't it, when studios make movies about things that are sort of current, isn't it? Because well, it's so close to events that, you know, sometimes they might jump a gun and be like, oh, we need to reshoot, we need to re-edit, we can't do this, we can't do that. <laughs> you know, we've got to release in different markets, we can't release here, it's PG, no, suddenly it's R. Like, you know, it's like too close almost. And that's the thing, the rating actually came down. It was originally apparently, in, in America they've only got PG-13 and then there's R, there's nothing in between. Right. So it was going to go for the R rating and then now it's the PG-13 rating. So they've completely shifted the market they're going for. So now it's aimed at a younger audience. It was going to be aimed at adults originally and they thought let's take out all the violence, let's take out anything horrific happening to teens, which is kind of like a staple of horror movies, and let's remarket it to a whole different audience. Yeah, I was wondering about that when I saw the writing of PG and knowing about Slenderman and thinking, hmm, how are they going to make a horror movie for children? It can be done. It, it, scary doesn't have to be gory and, you know, gory doesn't always mean scary. You can scare the bejesus out of people with an M or a PG-13 in America rating. You just need to do it well. And, yeah. I, and hopefully they do. But this hits upon something that I've noticed with Sony in particular, they're distributing the movie more than any company love jumping on a thing that people know, like an intellectual property. They're the ones that made the Angry Birds movie, which obviously (laughs) that was a big game. They're like, let's make a movie. They're the ones that made the Emoji movie. People love emojis. Let's make a movie. And Slender Man is just kind of the longest in that line, isn't it? People. But doesn't it just get eye rolls? I don't know. Would you see it for ironic reasons maybe? (laughs) Look, I don't think it's the purest way to make movies. But something like the Lego movie seems kind of cynical, but that works. You know? mm, that's true. And yeah. I'm, just ho- I'm just hoping that... that but Lego isn't it, like it, the new thing. Lego isn't like the new meme on the internet. Lego is like yeah, an 80-year-old yeah. property <laughs> that like everyone's had since they were a child. It's not Slender Man. Doesn't it just sum up millennial <laughs> culture, though, that a meme can become so huge like this and actually get someone to make a movie about it? Mm. Like this was just... A funny Photoshop prank. My hope is that Slenderman seems to work best not being explained. And he seems to work best in kind of weird short bursts. And I'm hoping that now that they're expanding it into a, you know, a 100-minute movie or so, that they don't explain too much, if that makes sense. You want that mystery. But also that it doesn't kind of tire out. Those who hear the three bells toll accept his invitation. When you hear the first, you must close your eyes. Katie! Opening your eyes. Only once you've heard the third. Does the film have any creative chops? Are there like directors or actors or anyone that we should be going like, oh, they're in it? For me, what piqued my interest is it was directed by Sylvain White. who He directed a lot of TV, but he directed a movie a few years ago that I think is really underrated and I really like called The Losers, which was kind of like just before the, the, the renaissance of comic book movies was a, a very kind of small budget comic book movie with like Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Chris Evans. And it's super stylish and it's super fun. And it's him directing this, which gives me pause to think that 
maybe, you know, he's got a bit of flair to him. Maybe he'll bring a bit of flair to this. But it also, and this is very millennial targeted, it stars uh, Joey King, who was the star of the surprise Netflix hit The Kissing Booth. Yeah, she was also in The Conjuring, so she has done scary movies before. She knows how to scare. Or is she being scared? Maybe she knows how to be scared. Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) Look, if she's got enough range, she knows how to do both. So who should see this film? So I'm not a huge fan of these really scary movies like It, things Mm. like that, and it looks like one of those. But I know the creator of Slenderman, Eric Knudsen, um, had said that his inspiration for Slenderman was writers like H.P. Lovecraft, games like Silent Hill and the myths like Mothman. So if it's got that sort of genre, that vibe, that feel, hopefully it'll be something interesting. Yeah, and I think I think there's two kinds of horror movies. There's the schlocky kind of horror movie that's like kind of jump scares and, and a bit of fun, and then there's movies like Hereditary, which are a bit more of a trippy experience. It'll leave you very shaken. Full I think this is maybe the former. So if you want a bit of like fun and a bit of schlocky kind of, you know, that you know that they're going to go investigate and disappear one by one, and you know kind of roughly where it's going. If that's the kind of thing you like, that's your vice, I think then this is for you. Also out this week, a film I still haven't seen yet. I cannot wait. Black Klansman from Spike Lee. A Spike Lee joint. Also, the Megalodon is filling up screens everywhere in the Meg. With Jason Statham. And from the producers of Stranger Things, The Darkest Minds is still in cinemas. Yes, for all the young adult novel fans. If you want to hear more about those, you can listen to last week's episode and you can find that in the app that you're currently in, listening to this one. It's really easy. Just click back. Hi, beautiful friends. I would like to introduce you to Christian Grey. Oh, no. We started this book club to stimulate our minds. From what I hear, this book is quite stimulating. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, what's that? That's not mine. I've never seen that book before, honestly. This is nasty. Someone told me once that Fifty Shades of Grey, the sort of kind of porn book that went gangbusters a few years back was hugely successful on ebooks not paperbacks you know why because people wanted to secretly read it on the bus they didn't want people knowing that they were reading it it was kind of like secret public transport porn the kind of thing you <laughs> might imagine your mum might read quietly by herself and the book club is about just that looks like four of hollywood's most iconic leading ladies reading something a little bit naughty. Is that all it's about? I mean, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it's about these <laughs> four mature women who are in a bit of a life slump. Diane is recently widowed. Vivian, the man-eater, secretly craves a meaningful relationship. Sharon's ex-husband has recently moved on with a younger woman and Carol's marriage is in a sexless slump. Now, Vivian, the racy of the friends. Jane Fonda. Yeah, who's played by Jane Fonda. Introduces Fifty Shades of Grey to their monthly book club and it compels women to start making more bold, racy life choices. You were worried that I was thinking that this would just be a film about um, four women reading a book and you were right to worry about that because that's exactly (laughs) what I thought this film might be. What it does is it essentially uses Fifty Shades of Grey as a jumping off point to explore the idea of sexuality past 50 and and the idea of dating uh, dating when when you're you're getting older and love when you're getting older. Yeah, so a couple of the characters, they've got high-profile jobs. So Jane Fonda owns like this five-star hotel chain. Candice Bergen's character is a judge. Um, so they're all very like strong, powerful women. And I like the idea of mature women taking control of their own sexualities, but I think the movie erred more on the side of cringy 
rather than empowered, especially because I don't really enjoy the Fifty Shades franchise. Um, but so yeah, I guess some of the topics that that came up were were an interesting um, choice because you don't see that a lot in Hollywood. And I think the thing that happens with these kind of movies is there you know there's four stories going on at the same time, but not all stories are equal. I think um, for me, the the one I enjoyed m- most is Diane Keating's storyline. Uh, in which she meets Andy Garcia and they start like a new relationship. Really? I didn't like that one. <laughs> See, to, and then on the, on, the, on the other end, the one I enjoyed least was Candace Bergen when she's trying to <gasps> get back out dating. That was my favourite. And let me explain why. It, it, this <laughs> felt to me like a movie that was written by someone that doesn't know how dating apps work. Yeah, and, okay. and there, so there's there, that. There, there's a scene in which she's at her desk and she's on uh, Bumble, I think, yeah. and she's a judge. Yeah, the judge character. Yeah, she's got yeah. a big important job and her assistant comes in and the computer keeps saying, you've got another match. Someone wants to meet with you tonight. And you're sitting there going, that's not how those work. You can't possibly still care about what Tom is doing. I don't care. But the guy gets seasick in a swimming pool. I mean, what the hell is he doing in Maui? Sounds like he's doing Cheryl in Maui. Oh, please. <laughs> Who gets involved in a relationship at 67? I mean, what is the point? Uh, the point is to get laid. It's always the point. In the sense that this is a movie that that is made now that wouldn't have been made maybe 20 years ago, it shows an evolution in Hollywood for the better. And in fact, there was a study in 2015 that said of all the major Hollywood films that came out, only 12% of those films had a, a leading lady. Like a, a female was the mm. protagonist. And then there was the kind of movement that started in Hollywood. And even by 2016, that number had shifted all the way up to 36%, which is a huge growth. So who should see this film? You mentioned earlier about this going for a, a target audience, and I think you're dead right because it's just dirty enough for seniors to laugh, <laughs> but it's also pretty tame. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's the kind of thing that you could take your grandma to and she would chuckle at some of the things they're saying, but compared to what the Happy Time Murders that we talked about yeah. earlier, this is a walk in the park. Yeah, yeah. this is more titillating than, yeah. <laughs> than in your face. And it's also worth mentioning that if this does sound good to you, it's in slightly limited release, so make sure you do check where it's playing. Now, like we do every single week, we have a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass to give away. This week, given the puppets saying naughty things, we thought you might like to answer what kids' film you want to see rebooted for adults. I really, I still think Toy Story 5. Anyway, go to Facebook or Instagram, find the Cinema Crew post. It's right there. It's at the top. You can leave a comment and uh, put your response and the hashtag the Cinema Crew. Next week, Crazy Rich Asians. This is the immensely popular book about Crazy Rich Asians and it's now on the big screen and stars Australian comedy export Ronnie Chang from The Daily Show. Also, the tagline for the new Mark Wahlberg film is incredible. Option one, diplomacy. Option two, military. Meet option three. So, very excited about mile 22. The producers of Stranger Things, we were talking about this just before. They've been busy. A few weeks back, they had Darkest Minds. Well, now they have a new James Franco film, Kin, about a futuristic weapon and brothers and family and honour and action, action, action. So that should be good. And the flip side, Eddie Izzard is back in cinemas, this time from Aussie Film, about the one that got away coming back. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.